Welcome to the Healthy Ever After podcast. The body is not designed for sickness. It's designed for full, robust health and vitality. Learn how you can live healthy ever after at restoration-health.ca. And now, here's your host, certified holistic nutrition consultant, Patty Fleury. Hello and welcome. This is Patty Fleury from Restoration Health. I am a certified holistic nutrition consultant and this is part of my Healthy Ever After podcast series. In this series, I'm talking to people who have chosen an alternative and natural way to health. My guests are managing health issues naturally and they are living vibrant, robust, healthy lives. And I'm hoping that their stories are going to inspire you to reclaim your health. So I'm very excited about our guest today and extremely grateful that he is willing to share his time and knowledge with all of us. John Morris is a firefighter, professional athlete, Olympic medal winner, natural gourmet chef, and a certified holistic nutrition consultant. I met John while attending the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, and I am privileged to call him a friend. We were able to bond over a shared love of great food, organic beer, and a strong belief in the natural healing power of the body. Plus, my mother was his biggest fan, and she told me he's a great guy. So John is probably one of the busiest people I know. He is constantly on the road, and I just had a look at his day timer, and he is booked for the next four months. He's traveling around the globe, his schedule is jam-packed with commitments, and yet his health remains vibrant and robust. So today in our interview, I'm going to get him to reveal all of his secrets and tips on how he manages to maintain his health and vitality as the busiest man on the planet. So welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Patty. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure you're here. So before we start talking about some of the specifics, because I know we want to hear about your diet and how you stay healthy, but I'm wondering if you can give us a little background about what led you to holistic nutrition? Because you were already a professional athlete, you were an Olympian, you had a BA in kinesiology, you were a firefighter. What led you to CSNN, which is the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition? Well, I think the first thing uh, that that uh, sort of speaks to me on this uh, topic is that I, um, you know, I've always wanted to better myself as far as an athlete, as an athlete is concerned i always feel like i got to find you know the, the best way to train and the best way to uh uh you know to compete to, so that i can remain on top and um you know when i was younger i didn't realize uh the um the difference that uh, nutrition could make and it was wasn't until i read a book by brendan brazer uh called the, the thrive diet and how he was a he was a, um, a triathlete who, uh, who you know, was training as hard as every other triathlete out there, and he was wondering why he was sort of plateauing at sort of, you know the top twenty or thirty in the world. And it wasn't until he made some, you know, he said, well, "What is one thing I can do differently that you know the other athletes aren't doing uh, that I'm competing against?" And it was uh, so he really targeted his nutrition. Mm-hmm. He felt that was an area that he could really target and would sort of uh, catapult him ahead of. Of uh, you know his his uh, biggest competitors and and uh, you know he never made it to the number one in the world but he definitely made some really uh, good strides. So when I read that book, uh, it sort of you know that was a, a difference maker for me and also um, uh, the fact that uh, you know I, I had been you know I'd been competing for years when I was younger and not really paying too much of attention 
to my my nutrition. I thought that uh, you know um, drinking a green tea, tea after having a burger and fries was all I needed to do to uh, <laughs> you know to make sure I didn't get sick and and uh, and get overweight. So anyhow, I was obviously very naive when I was younger, and and then as I got older and realized, you know. Um, you know, I, you know the toll that uh, curling can take on your body, and being on the road can take on your body, and uh, how you know usually on a Sunday after after an event, you're you know in, in the past I was never feeling you know uh, great because you know I had um, you know been competing for three or four days on the road, not eating what I usually ate, and uh, and it was just tough. So I would say that was that's one of the biggest biggest factors that promoted uh, inspired me to to learn more about nutrition, um, and also. Um, uh, it's it's been great that as an athlete we get some we get support from our government when we're at a high enough level that um, that allows us to, to supplement our our, uh, our tuition for our, our education. So uh, I remember you know as a, after the Olympics in in 2010, uh, a few years later you know we had been a carded athlete for a while and and you pretty much have this uh, access access to this uh, you know pool of tuition funding that if you don't use it, it gets burned up and not and so, you know, it becomes unavailable eventually. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't necessarily want to take a full, you know, the, the two things I was actually interested in were naturopathy and uh, and, and that. I looked into that. That was a $100,000 bill and a four-year commitment. <laughs> and four years, yep. And then I asked, after I looked into the, the naturopathy um, in a bit more um, detail, I realized what I really would have enjoyed part of the course was the nutrition aspect of it and the herbal aspect of it and how uh, that relates to sickness and disease and and uh, vibrant health as you say yeah. so so you know and then i looked into more um sh- sort of shorter term um and uh, more realistic options for me so i could continue to compete and and uh, continue my education so that's when i found uh, the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. They have a one, you know one and two year programs in nutrition, and a lot of it uh, was right up my alley, and, and felt that that would be uh, something I could really use as far as, far as not only personal growth, because um, this is to me at the time, you know, I was in my early 30s and felt okay, this is something I can use not only for my sport, but something that's going to be uh, helpful for the for myself and my family for the rest of my life. So I, I, I thought it was a very applicable um, course. And uh, so, yeah, I ended up uh, enrolling in holistic nutrition and uh, was a fantastic experience. And that was, uh, you know, a, a, quite a balancing act of going to school, you know, almost full time and, and curling. And at the time I was working full time at the fire hall and it was uh, it was tough. But it's something that uh, when you're young, you like to keep busy. And I've uh, I don't have a family right now. So, um, you know, it was something that I didn't uh, I felt I could I could take on my plate. So. Well, and I think certainly, as you mentioned, it was a great program, and I think it was really um, educational and informative and uh, helped us, obviously, develop a better understanding about nutrition. So, and you mentioned, you know, that it was going to help your sport, but also as a firefighter, um, you know, I would have to think that that's also a fairly demanding job and carries some health risks, and so a lot of what you learned is maybe also applicable to how you maintain your health in that profession. You bet. You know, I, I like to uh, try to strive at you know being as good as I can at anything I do, and, and the firefighting is something I'm very passionate about. What I love to do, and uh, I realized that uh, you know I enjoyed cooking, and um, and uh, as as firefighters were exposed to many toxins, uh, whether it's through the diesel particulates, uh, just you know by being in our our own bays, 
um, but also to a lot of the toxins when we're on motor vehicle accidents and through a lot of the fires. And um, I actually just joined our health and wellness committee in the last few months because uh, you know we have a we have a small a group of us that are determined to make sure that um, you know uh, right now uh, as a firefighter uh, you uh, your average age is almost ten years less than the average person really? just because of you know maybe some of the, P- the PTSD and also a lot of the toxins we uh, um, that we absorb through, through our careers and and um, I'm determined to to make sure that doesn't affect myself and and as many as my friends that I work with as I can so um, there's many different components to that there's uh, from you know preventative uh, to also uh, you know we've just looked into a, a sauna ther- infrared sauna therapy as uh, something that we're, we're trying to bring into our organization but also the, the nutritional aspect and yeah. in the past you know with nutrition in the fire hall and uh, when I was cooking at the fire hall like uh, the bigger the better, right? It's it's uh, who can make the biggest meal and and uh, the and uh, taste the best and and uh, you know I, I know that um, it hit home to me when I was on shift a few times and and there you know we we'd have these great meals but they were massive and we would and they were you know partially refined if not mostly refined you know as far as pastas go and and uh, yep. you know heavier items like that and. And we would be sitting on, you know, in our chairs after and be like feeling like we were in a, a food coma. And the last thing you want to do is put on all your gear and have to, you know, lug 75 pounds of, of gear and, and a, a breathing apparatus and go into a burning building with its, you know, a million degrees uh, temperature. So the last thing you want to do is when you got when you're feeling like that, go into, some, you know, go into that situation. So that's when it really hit home to me that, you know, I think that, um, you know, this this can have multiple, you know, purposes of, uh, you know, is if, if, we, if I can make, you know, uh, um, food taste better or taste good, just as good as it is tasting, but not leave us in food comas and uh, try to uh, get as many nutrients and, and, fi- and cancer, you know, uh, boosting our immune system and um, uh, reducing our inflammation at work, uh, that type of thing uh, I thought was, you know, it, it was, it, it's tough to, to sell that to firefighters because, you know they don't. Um, for the most part, you know, we're we're you know that's not on our on our radar as far as. Uh, but for me, as a, you know, something someone that wanted to work as a firefighter for many years and to also live after I'm retired for many years in my retirement in a healthy state of mind and a healthy body, that was something that is you know is very important to me. So um, it's been a slower process. Um, you know. I've had to educate myself and went to cooking school, which I'm sure we'll talk about here shortly. But yep. uh, it's been something that uh, I've really enjoyed, sort of that, that challenge. And and, uh, and now I cook three meals a day at work, and and I try to make them as delicious and nutrient dense as possible. And uh, for the most part, there's not a lot of complaints anymore. So it's it's uh, it's been great. You're converting them. Yeah. Um, so so let's talk a little bit more. I think uh, about specifics. So you know, as I mentioned earlier, you are one of the busiest people I know. So I think all the, our listeners are going to want to know, like, how do you specifically manage to stay healthy in spite of this crazy, demanding schedule? You know, and like, what role does diet play in your success as an athlete? Um, you know, and what are the foods you're eating on a daily basis? Like, tell us about that. Sure. Well, one of the things. As an athlete, I find um, was one of the big challenges was after getting this education and, and you know learning how I should be eating, and uh, was first of all changing my taste because when I was younger, when I was 20 years old, 
I didn't have taste for a bunch of, you know, more fruits and vegetables and spices and things that could really help me out. So uh, it takes a little bit of a, a progression. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember the first time I tried quinoa. Yeah. I gagged. Yeah. I gagged. It's pretty bland stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and now it's it's a comfort food. You so bet. you do. There, there is an evolution or progression of your taste buds you for bet. sure. And that's, it happened to me over, I guess, in my when I was in my 20s is I started developing taste for healthier food because I realized um, I would try it and initially it might not taste that great and then after uh, three or four times or, or a dozen times and I'm like geez I really am enjoying this and then I'd start craving those foods that are a lot better for me rather than those quick pastas and the craft dinner and what you know uh, some bag of chips or uh, for the quicker snacks I would have grabbed in the past and I find that transition is key and having that self-discipline that patience is vital uh, but also one of the major challenges eventually is um, is you know once you know what to eat and once you develop those tastes and you enjoy that is when when you're and it's easy to do when you have a set schedule at home and okay I'm training for two day, two hours today so I can have breakfast I want to have I can have the lunch I want to have I can make a great dinner or go to a great place I know for dinner however when you're when you're on the road which many of us are athletes are always on the road but many other working folk are on the road uh, a lot of the time and that's one of the biggest challenges is. Okay, when I'm on the road, how do I continue this? Because I know how well it, uh, I know how important it is for my performance. Yeah. And um, so that was a work in progress. It probably took me a year or two to really dial that in. And what uh, some of the, the keys I find to that, to being successful at that, and is that I will, um, you know, will instead of getting a lot of hotels, which we used to get, so you're in a hotel room, and there's a lot of the tournaments we get are in. Small town, small town Canada. Right. And uh, you're limited to one or two hotels, and you're limited to three or four restaurants, and it's very challenging to fuel your body optimally. And um, and it's I, I would be disappointed with sometimes the way I'd be performing, and I would be looking at every factor that I can do to increase or improve that. And so now um, what we've evolved into is we'll rarely get hotels unless they're really good sort of hotel options with suites because a lot of the time we'll go to we'll go grocery shopping and not only does it uh, eventually over the weekend or you know over the course of your event save you money because you're not eating out all the time but you're able to get a lot more uh, whole food that you can um, I wouldn't say I'm cooking at a regular on a regular basis on tour but what I am doing is I'm, I'm, uh, I'll bring, a, I'll bring a, a magic bullet or a Nutribullet with me, and I'll make sure if we have 8 or 9 o'clock games, um, I don't like eating a heavy breakfast. I don't think anyone wants to eat uh, a meal of heavy oatmeal or heavy uh, you know, uh, bacon and eggs before a, a game at 8 or 9. So uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, make a, we'll make smoothies in the morning, and it's a perfect uh, fuel for keeping your brain sharp and keeping you nice and energized out there for a morning game. And we do that by uh, you know getting... Uh, being a little bit creative with how we uh, with how we travel, and that includes uh, renting VRBOs and Airbnbs, yeah. or getting hotels with really good suite options, so that there is little kitchenettes in the hotels, and so that we can get some stuff at the local grocery store and keep it in the fridge so it doesn't spoil. And then, do you take snacks to the rink that you know, whether that's fresh fruit or you know protein bars or things like that? Yeah, you betcha. I think that uh, uh, you know I, I've uh, you know you you know the uh, the benefits of having, you know, the, the energy that's nuts and dried fruit, and that mm. will sustain for you, and do and do for your mind as well. So, um, you know, in the in the past, uh, you know, and I think a lot of athletes still do is they'll just grab protein bars and something that's quick. Um, but I like I'll I'll make my own um, uh, um, fruit uh, 
uh, and coconut water sort of and uh, fruit drinks, uh, I guess. To um, your own energy electrolyte, drinks? Electrolyte, yeah, energy drinks and electrolyte yeah. drinks. I make my own of those. Yeah. And they're not time-consuming. You know, I'll make them before I go. So I have them in the, in the uh, I just have a bag of powder uh, a lot of the time, and I'll, I'll mix that with uh, whatever I get at the grocery store and a water bottle, and boom, ready to go. And, and you're not drinking your Gatorades. As good as Gatorade is for your electrolytes, it has a lot of sugar in it or fake sugar in it that is not great for you. So, um, you know, I, I'll make my own, one of those. And also, I love I love uh, trail mix. It sounds, uh, you know, hippie, hippie-ish of me to say, but, the you know, a good trail mix is fantastic, not only tasting, but also um, is all really good for your body and gives you long, sustained energy and keeps your mind sharp. So I'll, I'll have my own trail mixes where I'll just go to the bulk burn. Uh, and I can even do this before I go on, on um, you know, before I travel, and I'll just get some goji berries or some really good dried fruit that I like. I'll get some shredded coconut. I'll get uh, some uh, really good nuts that I enjoy. Um, and uh, some, you know, I'll even throw some dark chocolate in there. Yeah. And, uh, and and it tastes fantastic, and my team loves it. And, and uh, it's something that uh, we just have a big container of it that we just will keep at the hotel room, and we'll, t- we'll take our smaller doses of it when we, t- we go to the rink. So certain things like that that uh, are small things, and, and uh, but... I find are, are difference makers. And, and definitely just better at nourishing and fueling the body because there's a lot of demands, right? Not only because of the sport, but the fact that, you know, you may not be sleeping well or, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're busier. So it's so important for people to remember that, you know, those, those, those typical snacks as the bag of chips that you mentioned or the protein bar, those aren't actually giving you that really good nourishment um, that's going to sustain you over the long run. No, and they're starting to come up with a few better ones uh, but for the most part you look at those ingredients and the first couple of ingredients is either dried cane uh, sugar sugar and and uh, you know one thing as athletes uh, and as, as as males we're very low in, in magnesium a lot of the time so these nuts have a really high in magnesium with the dried fruit so not only is that better for our, our muscle recovery but also magnesium really helps your muscles relax at night and be able to sleep better so it's a sort of twofold very good point. So what are your top three tips um, to maintain a strong and healthy immune system, I guess, when you're on the road? Uh, well, it's pretty simple. Uh, one of them is um, get creative with, uh, you know, don't fall prey of going to the only restaurants that are convenient. So uh, get creative with the way you're going to uh, fuel yourself. So go grocery shopping right when you get in. And uh, fuel, you know, uh, load your hotel room wherever you're up with great healthy snack options. I think that's a not, that's a really good uh, tip for anyone that doesn't do that yet. Another one is continue. Uh, for myself as a skip, um, I don't have a lot of physical exertion out there uh, during a curling game as I would as a as a sweeper. So for me, it's vital to. I will uh, look at my schedule before we go into a weekend uh, or an event, and I'll say, okay, I only play one game. Um, on Thursday night. So I'm going to make sure I go to the gym or do an outside workout or go for a run or go to hot yoga during the day. And what that does is it that keeps my mind really sharp. It also keeps my system in a good, uh, fr- you know, like overall healthy frame of mind where I'm eating because I'm hungry. I'm not eating just because it's lunchtime because I've created that that hunger by going to, uh, you know, and, and going for a workout. So I find maintaining a good exercise uh, routine uh, during your event is vital as well um, and I guess the third tip would be is just um, 
learning as much as you can on your own about it rather than relying on someone to tell you what you should be doing. I know there's a lot of teams that will hire a nutritionist and that's great. That's, that nutrition is there to, to educate you. But the best thing you can do is educate yourself and learn what you can, what you should be taking and what you can be taking and what you like to, and what you enjoy and what tastes good. So learning yourself about how you can make yourself better and how you can fuel yourself optimally is what my number, you know, number three tip because I find that that self-education is, is vital. Knowledge is power. You betcha. You know, um, and just going back to what you're, you're saying about exercise and, uh, you know, it's so true and I think maybe what people don't understand is that, you know, exercise actually produces additional mitochondria in the cell, mm-hmm. which is your energy stores, right? So exercise produces more energy. Uh, it increases neuroplasticity, so keeps that brain, you know, yeah. young and, and clear, like you said, yeah. you know, in its top form. So a good diet, lots of exercise, and knowledge. Good tips. I like those. Um, so following um, graduation um, at Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, so you graduated as a holistic nutritional consultant, and then you went to school in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you became a natural gourmet chef. So once again, tell us a little bit about that. Like what, what was the drive? What was the motivation? Well, the drive to taking that course in New York was. It actually happened one day in, uh, when I was in CSNN taking holistic nutrition and I was, um, and I was sitting in class, and, and I loved the whole aspect of what I learned at holistic nutrition. In holistic nutrition, but I felt the one thing that was a little bit lacking. It's probably because they didn't, you know, it just wasn't a huge component of the program. Is the culinary aspect. I love learning about all these great foods that are great, that are really good for you, and these great supplements and what can really help your body uh, strive uh, and thrive. Sorry, but I didn't. I wanted to learn how I can incorporate this in my diet and how I can make these foods taste really good. Because a lot of the, I think a lot of the people, a lot of the problem that sometimes people have with eating healthy is that, you know, how can I eat healthy if it tastes so bland and so, you know, it's, they're not used to that, right? And, and, it, and sometimes it can, you know, like when you, I didn't know a lot about flavor and spices, a lot of that before I went to school. And so I was really excited. I felt like, okay, this is going to be a great complement to my nutrition uh, degree. And uh, I was able to um, uh, enroll. It was a it was a six month course in New York. I'd never been to New York before. <laughs> it was sure an eye opener because uh, you know I, I'd never really been uh, to a huge city like that before. And um, you know I'm I'm living in a small town here in Alberta. So, but it was sure a, a, a fantastic experience, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. And um, what it really helped me with was um, not only um, getting a better foundation for my culinary skills, so like knife skills and just um, learning about how to prepare food. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it really helped me with that. Um, But it also allowed me to use these, uh, the the course was through the Natural Gourmet Institute. And the reason why this um, particular school uh, motivated me more so than just a Red Seal Chef program was because it actually really focused on um, on some key principles that I believed in, which was using uh, whole, whole ingredients, seasonal ingredients, local ingredients, um, fresh ingredients, fresh ingredients. You know, uh, and those were all um, things that I think is the future of our our food system. In order for it to uh, to you know to get better and to really you know, we, we know about the food shortage in our world, right, and how 
a lot of times we're, we're getting food from it's coming uh, across you know m uh, many weeks of travel and so the fact that it really you know was promoting it and uh, those key principles was something that I really uh, felt a lot of value in. So, um, you know, being able to go there and learn about that and to learn about, you know, what kind of, uh, how to read, you know, uh, when, even when you're going shopping, like they had this, they had this green market in New York that was like, you know, it put any of our farmers markets we have in Canada is sort of a shame because it had, <laughs> there was about, you know, 20 different farms that would come to this and you could get anything from fish to, any anything you wanted for vegetables to herbs to, and it was it was unbelievable that uh, what you know what it opened my eyes to and yeah. um, so it was just such a fantastic experience. I did a really cool internship out in um, in the in Montauk, which is sort of in the Hamptons, oh, yeah. a little beach bum community, fishing community that I really loved, and uh, I met so many people from across the world that were as passionate about this stuff as I was from Israel, from, uh, um, you know, all over the United States, from Philippines, from Ghana, from Brazil. It was amazing how, like, this is a, a change that's happening throughout our world, not just, you know, for us here in Canada, but it's yeah. it was great to see the passion that exists throughout um, many different places in this world for the same thing that, that I was interested in. That's so encouraging, right, to hear yeah. that it, there's there appears to be maybe a shift or a movement towards, um, you know, reconnecting with our food. Yes. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at the school there was like also a real focus on, once again, the, the health-boosting nutrients of foods, mm -hmm. like really looking specifically at what are the, the vitamins and the minerals and the nutrients and the phyto compounds that this food delivers and how that can boost our natural healing abilities. Well, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head there, Patty. With one of the great things this, this school offered was they had – they had um, workshops that we had to take um, internal hours in order to graduate, so we could volunteer at these workshops. And our uh, our course encompassed a lot of that, what you just mentioned, but uh, also these workshops that we volunteered at. Uh, they were like uh, uh, cancer-fighting workshops. They were immune-boosting workshops. And there were workshops that were, you know, vital for uh, for education, for, for myself, because this was all stuff I had... I learned in nutrition school, but now being able to apply it to the culinary world and how you know we can we can use it in our everyday life was so it um, it just really reinforced what I'd learned at the, at the, through nutrition, and it gave me an, a, another angle at which to uh, sort of uh, another perspective of of how to how to see the, sort of the holistic side of things and the nutritional component, and uh, it was it was so um, it was just very uh, invigorating because there was. It was just the, the environment there was fantastic. Everyone, you know, like you could talk like this to everyone and they were just as as, as interested and as passionate as you were. And they didn't look at you like you had two no, heads. <laughs> no, it was nice because, you know, I'm, I'm a, at, at heart I'm still like a, I'm a guy that loves to, you know, play and watch sports. I like to drink uh, the odd beer or cocktail and, and uh, still love to have a, a steak every now and then. So I'm, I'm still like, uh, that's, you know, that's very, you know, it's still part of me a lot, but I also want to live a really long and healthy life and I want to have my family do the same and I want to be able to be part of a, a really uh, positive change in this world so that's why I'm you know I'm continuing to try to do things like this so I can continue educating myself absolutely you know so I'm reminded of a quote and this is just one of my most favorite quotes in the world it was by Anne Wigmore and basically what she said is that you know food can either be the most powerful form of medicine yeah. or the slowest form of poison yeah you know and so what you're talking about right now 
it just really reiterates for me that whole thing that food really is medicine and it can really um, nourish the body in ways that we can't even appreciate. You bet. And I've been really lucky that, uh, you know, I don't, I haven't had a lot of disease in my own life. I've had, uh, you know, asthma when I was younger, that that's uh, no, no longer, uh, you know, part, part of me. But uh, I was amazed when I went to the school to see how many students were there because they had, uh, they had disease. And whether it was uh, Crohn's, whether it was cancer, whether it was um, Lyme disease, it, there was a there was a lot of different uh, um, ends of the spectrum as far as disease is concerned, and and it was a, those they were there to help heal themselves, which was really great to see. But at the same time, I think that it was also great to see that there's people in this world that are no longer. Um, uh, okay with the status quo of okay I'm sick I'm going to go see a doctor and they're going to help me get better you're in control of your own life and and you know preventative health and preventing that disease in the first place is our biggest ticket to ever you know ridding ourselves of that disease and, uh, and you know it's starting to become more mainstream but the more and more people realize that the better and better this world is going to get as far as from a health and wellness is concerned, and uh, it's re- it was wonderful to see um, that there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of students in this course that were taking that just to so that they could learn to cook uh, better food for themselves, so that they could recover and, and be their own doctors. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and you know, you know my story. I mean, I I myself was very very sick for a long time with Crohn's disease, um, debilitated, um, and it wasn't until I sort of adopted that whole foods approach and started to understand that um, I do have the power, mm-hmm. and that um, I can take control of my health. And by nourishing my body and rebuilding the body systems, you know, I've been symptom free for twenty years. Wow. So it's always inspiring to me. Um, number one to hear people talk about food in the way you're talking about because I truly do believe it can be medicine. Um, And I truly do believe it's going to help us live not only healthy, you know, but like inspired and energized and robust vital lives well into our 80s and 90s, maybe even our hundreds. Yeah, and and you know what, just just to, to follow that point, like one of the things that really... Um, hit home for me when I was taking this course. At the very end, I went to a workshop, and it was a doctor who was a uh, you know medical doctor, and he went back to school to take his naturopathy, and he was now teaching. Um, I think it's called maybe not alternative medicine. There's a word that sort of combines the combination of uh, you know Western medicine and 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 sort of naturopathy, and it was uh, it was amazing to go to his workshop and to hear from him. How he had, you know, uh, he had been uh, through so many clients that, you know, he prescribed many things f- for, and they weren't getting better, and some of them, a lot of them, were getting worse. And not that I don't think I think Western, I think uh, you know, the medical world is definitely has its place and is very important. But I think being able to work um, in, in conjunction with preventative medicine uh, and in collaboration with the two, I think that combination of having you know, the ability to, to have some really great uh, technology at our fingertips that we've worked many years to accomplish, but also the fact that, you know what, what they were doing 100 years ago, um, that, that we, you know, weeded out of our society and, and out of our tradition, um, you know, there, there was some method to their madness, and it's and it really uh, um, is starting to, you know, to, to, to 
come to the forefront again. And I think that being able to recognize that and appreciate that what we used to have in our ancestry and throughout you know, many different cultures in this world, I think is the ticket to creating a really overall great health system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully inspiring some of our, our younger folks to adopt that approach and that philosophy to life. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm just sort of wondering, you know, now you're, you're, you're once again an accomplished athlete. Um, you've got this natural gourmet chef certification. You're a certified holistic nutritional consultant. You've still got your BA in kinesiology. Where does John Morris go from here? Like, what, what on earth do you got planned for the next little while? Well, um, I don't have everything set in stone. That's not how I roll. And, um, but I've, um, I've really enjoyed the education component for myself of, of continuing to learn and, um, about things I'm passionate about. So curling is something I've always been passionate about and something I've done for a very long time. Uh, but eventually that, uh, that, you know, curling, I would say in the next, you know, half decade or so, five or six years, that's going to be um, my past. I'm going to be retiring from that. And and I want to move on to uh, different things in my life that I really am passionate about. So I'm going to continue firefighting because I've loved uh, um, every minute of that um, throughout my career. And, and I think that's one of the, the best jobs in the world. But I also have a, have a, a great passion for really good food. Um, uh, I love eating great food. I love... Uh, learning about what I can eat that makes me the healthiest and I want to live till I'm 120 years old and uh, and um, I also want to help educate people on um, you know, nutrition and and being able to cook I love cooking I want to show people how to do that so um, I've done a few workshops since I've been back we just did a, we just did an event at the Glencoe where we cooked a four course meal to some members there and and uh, it went really well and I really enjoyed that portion of it but it wasn't your typical you know uh, as a chef serve uh, people sitting at a table it was more of a, a, dem- a cooking demonstration and um, it was more of a casual dining experience where I, it was interactive I got some of the uh, people up there helping me out and and that's what I I love that social aspect of, of food and and um, uh, I know that um, you know in my next uh, uh, after you know, once I'm finished curling, I got some more time to myself. I'm going to be traveling all over the world and learning about different cultures and and you know learning how to um, you know some you know Thai cuisine and and Vietnamese cuisine and uh, Indian cuisine and and there's so many cultures out there that I think uh, if you don't get the experience, you're sort of stuck with what you're used to and what your parents served you and what you sort of have just in your surrounding city. But uh, there's so much more out there, and I, I'm really looking forward to exploring that. And I'm looking forward to uh, bringing that back and, and educating my uh, whoever's interested. You know, and there's a there's more and more people interested in nutrition and and, and creating great food uh, nowadays. And I would love to be able to uh, be a big part of uh, you know learning that and also sharing that that wealth of knowledge and and maybe maybe opening my own business uh, with uh, along those lines someday. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I think if you come back in two or three years, we'll be uh, you'll sort of see a bit more what I'm, I'm looking. Uh, towards and uh, the path you're traveling down you betcha you know so it's interesting because i was just in vietnam and um, one of the things that was fascinating to me about vietnamese culture is the way they did approach their food and so i um i i was going to the local markets and talking to you know the women there selling the produce and their approach is very much that food
food is medicine. So they want to talk to you about, oh, you if you have high blood pressure, oh, take this. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you need to cleanse your liver, you're going to eat this vegetable. Oh, you're having trouble with sleep? Try this tea. Oh, you know what? We need to cleanse the bowels. Well, this is what you need. It was fascinating to me that, you know, number one, they are working with local, seasonal, fresh, you know, cool. ingredients, but also that they recognize you know, absolutely, that what we put in our mouths filters through to our physical health. You bet. And, and what's, uh, I think what we really got to appreciate about that is that, you know, these cultures, we're Canadian, we've only been around for, you know, a couple hundred years at the most. Uh, and um, and these cultures, uh, you know, over in Asia and in India, and they've been around for, for you know, hundreds of years, much longer than we have. And yes. and this is stuff that's been passed down from generation to to generation and it's stuff that's invaluable and uh, I was I had the same experience when I went to Japan this year we were lucky enough to go uh, and represent Canada at a international uh, bond spiel in Japan mm-hmm. and it was an eye-opening and absolute amazing experience the amount of detail they put into their food preparation and the amount of pride they have in, in their um, in their creativity of their of their food and also the quality of ingredients that they use mm-hmm. was I was it, I've never tasted such fresh, amazing uh, food as the culture over there, and and uh, it was just something that I'll never forget. I think J- Japanese food after being there was some of the best food, if not the best food I've ever had in my life. Really, and I think that uh, the, even the, the whole culture over there, um, the respect they have for their land and the respect they have for for their health and wellness is something that I think a lot of the world could really uh, learn from and. Uh, um, I just wish that they had more of an influence on, uh, on, on us over here because it's. Uh, it, I was amazed, and, and uh, it was it was a country that if I didn't live in Canada, because I feel very lucky to live here, that would be one of my number one nations to live in because it was such a, an amazing experience, and I really appreciated what they uh, put in and out of their food, but their whole culture over there. Interesting. Well, and we know that Okinawa, which is part of Japan, is is a blue zone. Mm-hmm. So this is where people are living well into their 80s, 90s, and 100s with very, very limited um, health conditions. You know, there's certain health conditions that are, um, you know, epidemic in North America that don't even exist in, in Japan. And I recently learned of a very interesting philosophy employed in by the Okinawans, but I think also a lot of Japan, and I, and I, I may butcher this, so forgive me if I do, but I think it's called Hara Bichibu. Okay. And the philosophy is eat until you're 80% full. So they're not like the firefighters in the fire hall where they eat till they're stuffed and they're in that food coma. They actually eat to nourish the body and they stop when they're 80% full so that they never overeat. So once again, as you said, you appreciated so much about the the Japanese culture. So is that a practice that we could potentially adopt in North America that might have really good health benefits? Well, you know what? It's it's again, uh, you know, growing up in North America and I think a lot of us grew up with you know, like what's on you got to eat what's on your plate, and a lot of the time you're full, and and um, and it's just sort of something that has come down through our own tradition, especially from a lot of farming backgrounds. And uh, although that you know you don't want to waste food, I'm really not against food waste, but I think that uh, uh, when I eat till I'm eighty percent full, and when I'm very healthy, I'm able to do that. Uh, I'm I've never been so energized and feel m- more mentally sharp than when I eat to that time. It's when I get into a rut of you know, eating heavier and, and trying to finish everything on my plate. And then all of a sudden, within half an hour of eating, 
I'm either having trouble driving because I'm so tired or I'm on the couch or I feel like not doing anything. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's something that would be great to be able to adopt over here. Plus, it would create a lot less um, food consumption in our world, I think. And that's one of our, our major issues we're, we're, we're facing as well. So Yeah, absolutely. So, John, before we go, I just want to um, find out from you what a typical day of eating might look like. Right? I think many people sometimes when you talk to them about um, eating healthy and well-balanced, sometimes people don't even understand actually what that means. So to them that might mean a, a, you know, a bowl of cereal at lunch mm-hmm. and a sandwich or a bowl of cereal breakfast, a sandwich at lunch and you know, a pizza for dinner. I'm not sure. So what does a typical day look like in John Morris's meal plan? Okay, well, I'll give you the, pretty much an average day in, in my life. Uh, starts like this I'll get up and I'll have uh, hot water and lemon I just find that sort of kickstarts my digestion plus it sort of uh, alkalizes me a bit so I don't feel uh, you know as heavy and so um, I'll have hot water and lemon to start and then I'll usually about an hour later I'll have uh, I'll make myself a fruit smoothie and that'll consist of it changes I don't like to have the same uh, smoothie every morning um, and I usually have maybe four or five times a week but for the most part I'll have a one that has blueberries or, or some, some darker berries in it because those are really, really good for you as far as antioxidants and they're lower glycemic um, so it doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, blow up your, your blood sugar. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll have a base of either almond milk or coconut milk or, uh, or coconut water and coconut water or f- fresh spring water. Um, I don't drink a lot of dairy milk just because it doesn't, it doesn't do very well. I get inflamed from it. So those are some great options that I do. I'll, I'll still put a, uh, a protein powder in there as well. I'll put a, usually a vanilla protein that's either a Vega, uh, Vega 1, or sometimes I put a bit of a high-quality whey in there. Uh, I'll put some greens in there. Got to get and That's one thing of, of being able to hide your greens is if people don't like greens, you throw them in a smoothie. And Absolutely. I made a smoothie this morning that there's no way you would have been able to tell there was greens in there. All it tasted was like blueberry and banana and vanilla goodness. So. Yeah. I'll throw some other things in there as well, like I'll throw uh, some shredded coconut. I love the taste of coconut. It's great. We just get some good fiber in there as well, uh, some omega, uh, some hemp hearts. And these are all things that if people have uh, buy them because they, their, their doctor or their nutritionist tells them to get, a lot of them sit in their shelves because they don't know how to use them. Yeah. Throw them in a smoothie. But for the most part, if, you're, if your smoothie base is a good almond milk, a coconut water, there's a good vanilla protein in there, whether it's whey or Vega, uh, Vega 1, um, and also, uh, always you want to throw, I, I like putting a banana or an avocado in a smoothie. It creates that nice consistency, whereas if you don't have smoothie. that, it gets, you Smooth, betcha. creamy, yeah. So that's my uh, breakfast, sorry, I got a little <laughs> sidetrack there. I usually have that to start, and then what I'll do is I'll, have, I'll go and exercise, whether I go for a walk or a bike ride, do something active, um, and then uh, I'll come back and I'll have sort of a later, maybe around 10, 11 o'clock, 10 or 11 o'clock, I have... I'll either have a really good uh, granola or an oatmeal that I make uh, either with, with fresh oats and a bunch of nuts, um, or you can get creative with that, make, you know, use some brown rice. You can make a great millet oatmeal. Um, and I use, you know, I, I love the, I still like a little bit of sweetness in there, but I'll, as my sweeteners, I use maple syrup or a good local uh, raw honey. Yep. Um, or else I'll make, a, I still love my eggs, and I love, so I'll make a great omelet. I love an omelet or a frittata like we had today. And um, and I still uh, eat bread. I just uh, I don't eat a lot of it. I just get a really good quality bread. I'll get a really nice dense bread that doesn't have a lot of white flour in it. It has good whole wheat flour. Has a lot of nuts in it. Has some flax in it. Some and seeds. Some yeah. seeds. You bet. So and I'll eat that maybe once every couple of days. Um, 
you can also and sometimes I'll have make my make my own sandwich as well uh, with that same bread and that's just another way of uh, you know it just sort of depends what I'm feeling I like to have a bit of variety but um, and then uh, later in the afternoon I'm not I don't really um, you know follow the breakfast lunch dinner mentality I find that that's something that you know is is it's hard to follow to a tea and I don't think it's as healthy for you as eating smaller, more frequent meals. So I always do, I try to do a one really good big salad in a day. And my biggest pet peeve is a boring salad. <laughs> and, a, and like going to a restaurant where, there, where there's a their side salad pretty much, uh, you know, is, is comprised of iceberg, iceberg lettuce, lettuce <laughs> shredded carrots that was shredded four days ago, uh, cucumber, and uh, you know those prepackaged craft uh, dressings. To me, that is some of the gross. Like I can't even stomach those anymore. But to me, a salad that I feel great about eating that tastes delicious has toasted nuts in it, and you can toast almost any nut to make them taste good in a salad. You get fresh any greens that are in season. You know whether that's kale or spinach or uh, or romaine lettuce or arugula. Uh, arugula. You know, there's so many great yeah. options for greens. Yeah. I'll throw uh, sometimes I'll throw a. Uh, you know, hard-boiled egg in there. I'll throw some fresh tuna in there, some fish in there, some chicken. I'll throw a bunch of veggies and I'll throw an avocado in. Uh, I'll make my own dressings. I got two or three go-to dressings that I don't think I'd never ever need another dressing in my life because I never get sick of them. They're easy to make. I make enough for to last me the whole week, and they are awesome tasting. And there's no sugar, any additives like that in there. And um, so I'll always I'll always try to have a nice fresh salad in a day, but I'll make my salad exciting. I'll make it more sexy than those salads. <laughs> so that that's uh, you know that's just you know something that uh, is a pet peeve of mine. That you know when people say, "Oh, salads are so boring." I'll make yeah. you a salad, and you tell me if this is boring. I promise John you. John Morris's salads are not boring. <laughs> so and then for dinner, I, I'm I'm still a little bit uh, you know classical with my dinners. I'll have. Uh, Sometimes I have salads for dinner. Sometimes I have eggs for dinner. But for the most part, I'll have uh, you know some great fish. I um, I'm a big believer in in self sustainability. So I, I hunt for my own food um, and I, I fish for my own fish. Uh, so I'd say three or four times a week I'll have I'll uh, either be eating some fresh salmon that I've caught or some halibut or uh, going to if I have to I'll go to the local grocery store and get the fr- whatever is the freshest uh, fish that's that's in that week. Um, I also love uh, some good free-range chicken. It's amazing when you taste like really good organic or, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, organic, what's the deal with organic? You know what, you have some organic carrots or celery or organic meat uh, or fish or chicken compared to conventional, and you and I'll cook you the exact same meal with both of them, and you tell me uh, what has more flavor and what tastes better, and I'll guarantee you it's, it's the organic. They're just not, absolutely. And not only do they taste better, but they're full of way more. You know, everyone eats uh, salmon for their omega threes. Well, you get yourself a wild caught salmon, and you get yourself a farm salmon that's a conventionally farm salmon. There's about one quart of the omega threes in the uh, conventional farm salmon than there is that wild caught. So, Absolutely. And that all is, is what makes that great taste and that flavor of that, that, uh, that fish. So, so yeah, I guess uh, you know, getting back to what I have for dinner is pretty much uh, a source of really good protein that I've, I try to uh, get myself. Um, and also um, some, some veggies, whether I saute them or, uh, um, you know, and a good green. I'll usually have a, a nice um, quinoa or... And again, quinoa, there's grains can taste bland, but ever since I went and took this course, I've, I've, I've really learned the importance and how 
amazing spices and flavors can be. So now when I cook my brown rice and my quinoa, I don't just make it with water. I'll make it with like a really good soup stock. I'll make it with some great flavors and some spices. I'll I'll toast my spices. I'll grind mm-hmm. them up, uh, and then I'll I'll mix them in while the, while they're cooking, and it just all of a sudden br- brings these these uh, these dishes to life. So um, anyhow, I, I uh, you know I have a pretty I guess you know one thing we could talk about the start, which I just want to touch on before we we finish up here, is that a lot of people say, you know, I don't have I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to. To uh, you know, to create this food, I have to. You know, I have three kids and I work ten-hour uh, days. And here's the thing, you know, uh, it's um, if you don't have time to do this, your life and your health is going to suffer. So then you're going to have to lose time in your life for things like disease and sickness. Yep. So would you rather be losing time in your life for disease and sickness and and being tired and fatigued, right? When you could be exchanging that time for time that is a lot more inspirational and exciting. And I think we've really lost touch, uh, you know, in, in these last few generations of being able to, you know, our connection to our food and being able to cook at home with the family. And, you know, nowadays, you know, you have a lot of time, you're, we're picking up, uh, you know, to-go meals and we're ordering in and we're watching TV and our kid, and the kids are playing on their iPads and, and as a result, you wonder why they have, you know, you have that picky diet and your kids have picky diets and they won't eat certain things. Well, guess what? Instead of that time, you know, doing that, take some time to cook. It's amazing the joy it'll bring you. Like mm-hmm. what I do, uh, you know, what I do going back to my typical day is I'll have a, I'll have a tough day at work or I'll have a, you know, a, you know, a tough week, uh, weekend uh, curling. I'll come back and I will, you know, for me, I distress, I de- diffuse and distress by uh, de-stress, not distress, by cooking. <laughs> and I'll throw on a, I'm a big vinyl fan, I'll throw on some, a record that I love to hear, and I'll just get creating in the kitchen. And, um, you know, I do that with my, with my, uh, with my family as well. Like when I visit with my mom, like that's, that's our, one of our great connections now is we, we cook together. And if I had kids, that's what I'd be doing with my kids is, is uh, you know, they wouldn't be on their iPad for three hours a night. They'd be, you know, we'd be out doing something outside or else they'd be, we'd be doing something in the kitchen or something, you know, something we could really connect together. And I find that that's something that really, we're really losing. So if you can find time to do that, not only will your quality of life and your overall health and wellness improve as, a, as an individual and a family, but you'll find a really, uh, you know, bigger connection, I think, to your, your kids that, uh, than what we're, we're really missing these days. So... Um, it's uh, yeah. it's something that I'd love to, to to see that you know that change happening. So. Absolutely, I well said, very well said, and and I couldn't agree more. Right, that reconnection with food is critical. You betcha. So I want to um, thank everybody for tuning in and, and listening today, and I I'm so grateful for John's wisdom and expertise and insight, and I really hope he's inspired you to move forward on your journey towards improved health. If the busiest man on the planet can maintain his health through, you know, really good dietary and lifestyle commitments, then you can too. It is never, ever too late to make those changes. So be sure to check out my website at restoration-health.ca for more information and to sign up for my new vlog newsletter. And my wish for all of you is to live healthy ever after. Until next time, stay well.